So I am, I've been pumped about this new series, man. It's been incredible. I've heard uh, so many good things from you guys about what we're doing. Um, just uh, this whole idea of just witnessing while we are so far apart from everybody. Literally, we have to be apart from people, right? And so that is kind of the world we live in. And so like we've been walking through 1 Timothy. Maybe tonight's your first time or you haven't been in a while. We've been walking through 1 Timothy. Um, and tonight we're going to be in chapter 4. So if you ever go and turn there, it'll probably be on the screen as well. But so as we've been walking through 1 Timothy, we have been kind of seeing like what are some different themes that we can apply uh, you know, to our lives when it comes to actually doing what God has called us to do. Because we know, like we say every single week, if we know these things, but we can't apply these things, then we're not doing 100% of what we can do as a believer of Jesus Christ. And so as we look through 1 Timothy, what does he tell us to do? And like specifically, 1 Timothy chapter for what does he tell us to do in order to reach out to the people inside of our lives? And so every week, we have had these few things that we have been looking into uh, from every single chapter. And so some things you, this is what you need to do. This is what you don't need to do. These are good things. These are bad things. These are things to look for. These are things to watch out for. So we've all had these different things every single week that we have been looking into. And so tonight are things that you should really make sure that you are doing right? And so not necessarily like do or don't do, but like make sure you are doing these things. And so some of you, you may be approaching tonight and some of these things may be brand new to you. Uh, maybe you have never done these things before in your life and that is okay. Uh, tonight's a good starting point for that. Some of you, you may have known about these things as we travel through these scriptures for just a few minutes and you're like, wow, I haven't done those things in a while and I really need to step up my game with that. And so really it's a, a few things that we need to look at and say, are we truly doing these things in our lives? Like we need to literally make sure not just for today or for this week or for this period inside of our lives that we're in college or that we're 18 to 24 year, uh, years old, but really all throughout our life. And that's what I love about tonight is that these are things that not only you can apply to tonight and this week and that it's good advice for you for this moment in your life, but also you can look down the road to whenever you have a family or whenever you're 80 years old and you can still make sure you're doing these things for the glory of God. And so I love that. So if you have your scriptures, go ahead and open them to 1 Timothy chapter 4. We're going to be in verses 6 through 15. Here's what it says. It says, if you point these things out to the brothers and sisters, you will be a good minister of Christ Jesus, nourished on the truths of the faith and the good teaching that you have followed. Have nothing to do with godless myths and old wives' tales. Rather, train yourself to be godly. For physical training is of some value, but godliness has value for all things holding promise for both the present life and the life to come. This is a trustworthy saying that deserves full acceptance. This is why we labor and strive, because we have put our hope in the living God, who is the Savior of all people, and especially of those who believe. Command and teach these things. Don't let anyone look down on you because you are young, but set an example for the believers in speech, in conduct, in love, in faith, and in purity. Until I come, devote yourself to the public reading of Scripture, to preaching and to teaching. Do not neglect your gift, which was given to you through prophecy when the body of elders laid their hands on you. Be diligent in these matters. Give yourself wholly to them so that everyone may see your progress. Watch your life and doctrine closely. Persevere in them because if you do, you will save both yourself 
and your hearers. So you're like, okay, I have no idea what this is saying right now, so what are the things we need to take away? Number one, make sure your life follows God's words, not people's opinions. This is the very first thing as we approach this tonight. Make sure your life follows God's words, not people's opinions. Verse seven, it starts out best. It says, have nothing to do with godless myths and old wives' tales. Rather, train yourself to be godly. And here's what I think about whenever I think of 18 to 24-year-olds, and literally just a few years ago whenever I was in your same boat, right, is that whenever you come into this stage of life, whether you're in college, whether you are uh, just in the workforce, no matter what, what you are in life, you are 18 to 24 years old, and so as you come into this stage in life, it is so easy to simply look past the fact of God's words and to dive into people's opinions on how you should live your own life right? Whether it's for the good or for the bad. And so you may know that we've been talking about for the past several weeks, you may know what God's word says. You may know what God thinks about what you are doing right now. You may know, you may know what he is commanding you to do. You may know every single thing about what scripture says. You may know all the viewpoints on how to, how to approve it, how to say, this is how I'm going to, to, to talk about scripture. This is how God thinks about this subject. This is what God says about this. You may know all that, but here's the reality. Make sure your life is truly following God's words and not people's opinions because you're like, hey, I'm not really following people's opinions. And here's what I would have you do. Just think to yourself, whether it's been this year, this week, whatever the case may be, how often do you allow people to influence how you live your life, whether that's for the good or for the bad? How often do you allow people to say, you know what, we're doing this and you should do it with us. How often do you tag along with them? Maybe you don't want to be the odd person out, right? Maybe you don't want to be the person that says, listen, I don't, I'm not going to stay back tonight. I, I've, I've had enough of school. It's been a long week, man. It's Friday, it's Saturday, whatever. We'll do whatever we have to do. How many times do you allow people's opinions to get the best of you, right? And, and if you didn't know this, I just want to fill you in that people, uh, you were not created for people to control your life like a puppet, Right? And so this is, what, this is what God is telling us tonight. Like, make sure you follow God's word. And you're like, dude, that's so basic. But are we doing it, right? Make sure you're following God's words, not people's opinions on how you should live your life. Not people's opinions on, hey, this season of your life is all about your pleasures. This season of your life is all about how you need to live to satisfy yourself. This season of your life is all about this, all about this. What, what would happen if we just drowned out those opinions, and truly dove into God's word and says, God, I wanna do what you tell me to do. I wanna do what your word says. But it's interesting because here's what we need to remember. We must continually remind ourselves to not get distracted in this mission. Continually remind yourself, do not get distracted. Verse seven, it goes on and says the words, train yourself to be godly, right? And if you highlight or write in your Bible, you need to write that down or something. Train yourself to be godly. I think a lot of times, what we do, and if you're a Christian, you could probably agree with me tonight, is that we pray a prayer, we make a decision to become a Christian, and we automatically think, okay, I'm godly, nothing else to do. Okay, nothing else. Like, I'm, I'm good, I'm good to go. And yes, on one hand, you are, because it is an immediate salvation. But at the same time, you gotta remember, you are a sinner. You are a natural born sinner. You and me both, we have a natural tendency to what? Do exactly what God says not to do right? And so we truly, we go against what God says. And so as scripture comes along, it says, yes, as you make a decision to follow Jesus, at the same time, there is a process of training yourself to be godly. And I, I love how scripture always makes this point of like people in sports, right? Like people who devote themselves to sports. Like if I could just ask, who all plays sports in the room tonight? 
Yeah, so there, there are plenty of y'all, right? And so it would be insane, right, from all the different schools. It would be insane if you were to say, okay, I'm going to play this sport and I'm not going to train at all. Like, I know I'm, I'm good at this. I know, um, I know I've got some talent. I've got some gifts when it comes to this specific sport, but I'm not going to train at all. And this is, what, this is what it's telling us. It's saying you have to train your mind, train your body, train yourself to be godly. Just because you're a Christian does not mean you're going to 100% go after Jesus Christ every day. This is a 100%, I'm going to train myself. I'm going to wake up every day. I'm going to remind myself of who I am and who I am in Christ Jesus. I'm gonna remind myself as I witness while I'm distant from people, I'm gonna remind myself that, listen, this life is not about me and I gotta train myself every single day, that, that one word, train. I gotta train myself, I gotta teach myself. I gotta continually remind myself that this life is not about me, that I am created to literally be godly. I'm created to look like Jesus Christ. And in order to do that, you have to train yourself every single day. And here's the reality of this. We are always going to be faced with the decision of following God or following godless myths in our culture. This is the reality. And you're like, dude, there's no godless myths here. And here's what I want to say to you. Maybe it doesn't look specifically like 1 Timothy is talking about with these types of religions and these different beliefs, but you always have godless myths inside of your life, no matter who you are, no matter where you are in the world, no matter what time period you're living. And you always have these godless myths that come into your life, and you're going to have to choose. You're going to have to choose between living for God or living for these godless myths. What, no matter what you're talking about, and you're probably thinking of it in your head right now. Maybe you've been faced with it this week. Maybe it's not living 100% for Jesus Christ, right? Maybe whatever the situation is, you are always going to be faced with the reality of, am I going to wake up today and train myself to truly live for Jesus Christ, or am I going to wake up every day, and even though I'm going to claim to be a Christian, I'm going to give in to these opinions, I'm gonna give in to what people's telling me to do. That is, that is one of the first ways that you can ruin, ruin witnessing while distancing, right? And so we have to make a conscious decision that there's a reality to be faced as we get up every single day, as we live this life every single day. Are we gonna follow God or are we gonna follow these, what scripture calls godless myths of our culture? Right? Are we going to follow people's opinions? Are we going to follow what they are already doing? Because what a lot of us do is we're not spiritually deep, even the Christians in the room tonight. We're not spiritually deep enough, and we go into these campuses, and we go into this culture, this college culture, and we say, okay, well, I've done this all my life. I've gone to church all my life. I've done all this, blah, blah, blah. I've marked off this. I've been baptized. I've done all this stuff. But the very first week, we sink into people's opinions. And my thing is, if, we don't, if, the, if the people who don't claim to be Christians don't live as Christians, who's going to live as a Christian? Right? And so as we, as we dive through this, this is the reality. Like, you're going to have to make the decision. It's not going to be easy. You're going to have to make the decision, I'm truly going to train myself to live for Jesus Christ every single day. But it's, it's really cool because, yes, like, we should always use our words to witness, Right? but people should also be able to see that our lifestyle agrees with our words. We say it all the time around here. We say it every single week. We say it multiple times a week. Go out, invite people. I mean, this is obvious. Look around. You guys do it, right? Go out, use your words, talk to people about who Jesus is. Talk to people about what he has done inside of your life, right? But at the same time, while we do that, there is another side to that coin. So while you have that down, you're like, dude, I've done that. Look around. I've brought friends. I've done all that. That's great. However, does your lifestyle matches what you're saying? 
does your lifestyle match what you're truly putting out of, of your mouth, right? And this is not to point fingers, this is just the reality of it all. Uh, we can't expect to be a college group that comes every single week and we are so excited that we have 160, 170, whatever amount of people in the room and then we go back and we have the exact opposite of who we claim to be. That is not who we are at Cottage Hill College, right? And so Paul is telling Timothy this, but he's also telling us this tonight. And so, yes, as we use our words as a witness, as you have to use your words as a witness, but at the same time, that would be a shame if we used our words as a witness but didn't use our lifestyle as a witness as well. And so use your lifestyle, use what God has given you. Go in, go in bold and be like, hey, this is, this is what God is teaching me. This is what I'm doing. This is what is happening at God and Chill, and you need to join in on this mission. You need to join in on what God is doing here. But what is the, uh, what is the second thing we see? Second thing, make sure you're living for the life to come. Make sure you're living for the life to come. This is huge. Verse eight says it best. It says, for physical training is of some value, but godliness has value for all things, holding promise for both the present life and the life that is to come. Make sure you're living for the life to come. I think here's, here's what we do a lot, is that we, we make sure we're living for the here and now. And that's great, like I would tell you to soak it up, I would tell you yes, like make the most of the here and now. But the only problem with living in the here and now is that you're not getting 100% of what God wants for you. As you're living for the here and now, do you realize you're missing eternity? As you are living for a snippet, do you realize you're missing a whole timeline? And so like, as we, as we live for the here and now, that's great, that's great. Go out, you do your thing. But as you live for the here and now, you need to understand that there is a whole eternity waiting on you. There is a whole eternity saying, listen, this is what this guy named Jesus has done for you on the cross. And as you live your life, focusing on what he has done on the cross, not just living for the here and now, not just living for our pleasures, not just living for the things that all of these ideas that are bombarding us every single day at school or at work or in our relationship or whatever, not just living for those things, but as we look forward for the life that is to come, we find purpose and we find peace and we find hope. We find joy. We find all these things that God gives us. And so as you're living for the here and now, you need to realize that if you're doing that, you're only seeing partial of what God wants for you. You're only seeing partially of the whole purpose that God has for your life. So make sure you're living for the life to come. And so it's really interesting. The things that you're living for in the here and now will never satisfy you or point others to Jesus. When you live for the life to come, that will satisfy you and point others to Jesus. Have you ever thought about that? Like just the correlation here of what is happening. As he is telling us to live for the hearing now, and we know that this is what we need to do to witness in order, like even while we're distant, we know we need to live for the life that is to come, even while we are in the here and now, how do I live? God, what do you have for me? What are you pointing me to? And so like, if we're living for the here and now, think about it. These things, they will never satisfy you. The things in the here and now, they're only temporary. And so as you're living for the here and now, they will never satisfy you, nor will they point others to Jesus. However, if you are living for the life that is to come, if you are living for this life that we talk about all the time, this is what we call eternal life with Jesus Christ, as you are living for that life, that will, number one, satisfy your soul so you don't go looking other places for things to satisfy you. It will satisfy your soul, plus it will point others to Jesus Christ. 
and we will come to a point where we say, I understand finally that this life is not about me. I finally understand this life is not about what I can get, what I can achieve. This life is nothing about me. And as we live for the future, for the life that is to come, other people will get it. And we say it all the time, being a Christian is not about you. Being a Christian is not a selfish motive. It is always selfless, it is always reaching out. Christianity is always begging for more people. Christianity is always reaching for more people. Christianity is always like praying on behalf of other people. And so as we continually live for the life that is to come, we are pointing others to Jesus. It is not about us, Cottage Hill College. It is not about us. And so here's, here's what's interesting. If you look at sin and the things in the here and now, look at what it offers. Sin offers nothing for the life to come, right? The sin that you indulge in every single day, the sin that you enjoy maybe every single day, the sin that maybe holds you captive so many times a week. You're like, how can I ever get out of this? Here's the reality of that sin that you are enjoying every single day. It has nothing and offers nothing for the life that is to come. And here's what that means. It is a fleeting pleasure, and you will go looking for it over and over and over again. And you know what's going to happen? As you are caught up in that sin, you know how we talked about earlier, there's years down the road that we're looking at, maybe when you have a family, maybe when you're 70, 80 years old. This sin, it won't just leave you alone. No, no. It's not temporary. It's not something that simply bugs you for a little bit and then simply leaves. No, whenever you mess with sin, it satisfies you temporarily, but it lasts for a lifetime. And this is what sin does. And it holds you captive for a lifetime. And so you're thinking your future marriage, your future family, your future job, all of that, do you wanna really drag this sin into all of that? That is how you need to think of your sin. Sin offers nothing for the life that is to come. Let's keep going. Worldly success and wealth, they offer nothing for the life that is to come, right? So many of us get caught in the act of, hey, this is what I'm going to school for. This is what, I want to make it all about me. I want to, if, I follow, if I follow Jesus, I want him to give me this, this, this. And scripture teaches the exact opposite. And as we give these things up, God blesses us, yes, but we do not follow him for things, we do not follow Jesus for different things. And so worldly success, wealth, all these different things, as you follow Jesus, you are giving those things up and trusting him with your eternal life. And we get nothing in return. Let's keep going. Personal fame offers nothing for the life to come, right? Being selfish offers nothing for the life that is to come. And so you're saying, how in the world does this relate to witnessing while we are, we are away from people? And here's the reality. Anytime you are living a selfish life, that is doing nothing for the kingdom of heaven. That is doing nothing for this college group. That is doing nothing really for yourself. And so we have to have the mindset, we're gonna train ourselves. We're going to literally put in work in order to get closer to Jesus Christ every single day. Why? Because there's eternal life at stake. Oh no, not just mine, my friends. The people in my relationships my circle, right? The people in my class, the people I work with that I love so much, but they talk about how they enjoy all their sins every single week. They talk about how they do this and do that, and I'm in an awkward position because I don't do that stuff. And how do I talk with them? Here's the reality. Whenever you live for the life that is to come, Jesus always works in other people's lives that you have no idea about. 
This is why it is so important that we have to lay our lives down and pick the one that he has for us up and say, Jesus, whatever you want me to do, wherever you want me to go, I will do it. So here's what this means. Living for the life to come means we are witnessing where God has us right now. That's what it means. And here's what I love about this. And so this is proof literally tonight. And so I think a new method that we have been, have been using around here uh, on Wednesday nights is literally go after your people, right? Go after your people on your sports team, in your classes, go after the people in your Zoom meetings, go after your closest friends. I'm, I'm not asking you to go out to random people you don't know. Target the people inside of your life and invite them to church and bring them here. That's as simple as it is, right? And so this is what we see. Like, as we live for the life to come, this means that we are witnessing where God has us. And this is the basics of talking about him. He is saying, God, at your college, you don't have to go out of your way. Yes, it's good to go on mission trips. Yes, it's good to do this. Yes, it's good to do that. But at the same time, don't complicate witnessing. Don't complicate it. The people where he has you right now, I guarantee every single one of you has someone who does not know Jesus inside of your life. I guarantee it. And how many times have we invited them to church? And if you say, well, I've invited them a lot, then invite them one more time. Invite them two more times, right? And so as we live for the life to come, this means that we are truly witnessing right where we are. Not an impossible task, not something that you're like, man, I don't know if I can do that or not. Literally, it's talking to the people in your life bringing the people inside of your life, telling them what God has done for you, telling them this is who God is and what he can do for you. I, I feel like so many times, just like a side note, like I feel like so many times, like as we think about the word witnessing, number one, we're like, we don't talk about that a lot. And then number two, we're like, this is, this is a massive task. Maybe you've heard it all of your life. Maybe someone has pounded it in your head, maybe in a youth group, maybe whatever, whatever the case may be. But for some reason, we think that it is a massive task to simply talk to people about Jesus. And what Jesus is telling us to do, what Paul is telling us to do, he is saying, here's how it works. Go live your life, and as you're living your life, you talk about Jesus. That's all you do. You talk about Jesus. You invite people here, and so they can worship, and so they can be found, and so they can lay down this life and pick up the life that God has for them. But what is the third thing that we see? Make sure you're setting an example. Verses 11 and 12, as we go into the close, make sure you're setting an example. It says, command and teach these things. Don't let anyone look down on you because you are young, but set an example for the believers in speech, in conduct, in love, in faith, and in purity. So our, our very last thing before we close out, make sure you're setting an example inside of your life, and you're like, bro, that's, that's an easy task. Is it really? Is it really? To truly back up what we are saying, to truly use our lifestyle to back up our words. Set an example, like God has you where you are for a very specific reason, right? And I know this is bad, everything that's going on, everything that's happening, we got this whole thing going on around the whole world, we don't know what's going on here, but think about it. Is it truly a coincidence that is happening? And is it truly a coincidence that our group has grown more during this time than ever before? Right? And so as you set an example, as you continually say, I'm not just going to talk about things, but I'm going to actually take God up on his words, and I'm going to truly live these things inside of my life. I'm going to make sure I am setting 
an example. Verse 11, look at me at verse 11. I love how it says it. It says, literally the whole verse, command and teach these things. This is the entire verse, people. Command and teach these things. And maybe your mind automatically goes to, dude, I don't preach. Man, I don't teach. Do you realize who you're talking to tonight? Does Paul realize who he is talking to tonight? I don't do these things. Here's what it means very simply. Enter your school, your relationships, your family, your jobs with boldness for the gospel. That's what this means. Command and teach these things, Cottage Hill College. Command and teach these things in your family, in your school, in your work, wherever you go to the gym. Command and teach these things to people. You don't have to preach to them. You don't have to do any of that. Simply enter your life with boldness. Into your life knowing, hey, I have the power of Almighty God inside of me. And I'm not going to act like everybody else. I'm not going to talk like everybody else. I have the power of Almighty God living inside of me. And so therefore, that means that I go to every corner of my life. And I tell people. And I talk to people. But here's, here's what I want to encourage you with as we close out. Because we're young, we're going to be vulnerable to Satan. But just because we're vulnerable doesn't mean we have to give in to Satan. And I believe that is a word for every single one of you tonight. I'm sure you've heard this verse over and over again. Don't let anyone look down on you because you're young. Set an example. That's such an encouragement. But here's the reality of, of being young. Is that there's a lot of vulnerability that comes with being young. There's a lot of mess ups that come along with being young. We could each spend an hour on ourselves talking about how we've messed up in this week. Right? And so as, as we are 18 to 24 year olds in the room, just because you're that age, it does not mean that you have to give in to Satan's temptations and his lies. That's not what that means. How about maybe because you're young, you're gonna use your life to influence those around you. And because you're young, we're gonna to continue to grow this group. And because you're young, you're gonna be used by God in a way that no one else wants to be used by God. Because you're young, you have boldness for the gospel. You don't care what people think about you. Can someone just raise your hand if you don't care? Right, there's three of you, right? Three of you don't care. It's so like, we don't care, right? Any other issue in life, we're like, dude, let's just do it. Let's go on this adventure, let's do this thing. Why? Because we're young. Why? Because we have so much of life left. Let's not waste it. And this is the same mindset right here. Like, because you are young, don't give in to say, just because you are vulnerable, don't be the weak link. You know where your strength comes from, Cottage Hill College. You know where your power comes from. You know it comes from letting go of your life and picking up the cross that he died on for you and for me. This is where your power comes from. So just because you're vulnerable, don't miss this, just because you're vulnerable does not mean you have to give in to every single thing that comes your way. Use your influence for the glory of God. Use your influence saying, listen, I know I'm young and I'm gonna take advantage of that. I know I'm young, I'm gonna go with boldness. 
I know I'm young, I'm gonna use this in a way that I've never used it before and I probably maybe can never use it again. There's a lot of benefits to being young. We just gotta take hold of them and do it, right? So here's the last thing. We set an example for others because we must witness in any and every form God allows us to. This is why it is such a big deal to set an example to other people. As we talk about witnessing, as we talk about being a a certain distance away from other people, like literally being a distance away, this is why it is so important, not just for yourself to set an example, not just to be a person who keeps their word, that's good, but again, train yourself. Train yourself. As I set an example, I'm gonna witness. As I train myself, I'm gonna witness in whatever form God has for me. Yes, I know I'm limited, but at the same time, I know that I cannot stop God's mission for my life, for the people in my life. I can't stop God's mission. Even though we are put on hold, even though we're put on restrictions, even though we're put on all these different themes, God's word doesn't stop. His promises do not stop. His salvation doesn't stop. And so my thing is, if we are known as a college group that we're like, hey, I'm, I'm gonna take a step back during all this because it's just too tough, it's weird. I'm not gonna do that. If we are known as that college group, then we are failing as a college group. Go out, be bold. Simply, as you're going, grab people. Not physically, because you can't do that right now, but like, you know what I mean, right? Get their attention. Tell them what's happening. Tell them what's up with this church. Tell them what's going on. And I promise you, I promise you, we will not stop growing if we all do that individually. Let's back up what we say with our lifestyle. Jesus, we love you. God, we thank you so much for God this night. God, thank you for Lord, First Timothy. God, and how God, these words are so useful for us. They're not just good advice. God, it's not just some good, good things that we can, God, read. It's not just good things we can hold on to. Not just things we can cling to whenever we're hurting or is life's going bad. But God, I pray that, Lord, as we go into this invitation time, Lord, that people would truly see that there is treasure, there is satisfaction in giving up our sin, giving up our life, God, and asking you to be Lord of our life. God, that's where the true satisfaction comes from. That's where the true pleasure comes from, God. And so, Lord, on behalf of all these students tonight, I just, I lift that cry up to you, God, and I just pray, Lord, whether it's us on stage, whether it's the people in the crowd, the sound booth, God, whoever we are, I pray that we would be bold, God. And Lord, we would be a college group that knows, God, that there may be restrictions on us, but we're not stopping. God, your word doesn't stop. Your word is eternal. Your love is eternal. And there are people dying and going to hell every single day. And you are using us as agents to go to these people. So God, be satisfied with our actions. Be satisfied with our example. Be satisfied with our words. It's in Jesus' name we ask. Amen.